You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Welcome in to Take Command. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. Logan. For those watching on YouTube, they can see I'm in a different place. This is the Hoffman Show studio. We're going all big time today. I'm surprised that you even have enough words left to say after being on the air. for What are you on the air for, three hours, four hours? Yeah, I'm on for three hours. Although this is kind of practice because uh, if, if you haven't heard, our radio show is sliding next, starting next week. We're going to be four to seven now with our new lineup on the Team 980. So as we record this at 6.13 p.m. on Wednesday evening, this is just practice for me talking into this microphone between the hour of six and seven. Perfect. I'm glad we could get some reps at it. Yeah, af- absolutely. Okay. So here's what we got on the podcast today. Uh, Ron Rivera said a lot of things about a lot of things at the owners meetings. We're going to go through some of that. Uh, and then we got a couple of mailbag questions. Uh, one that was sent to Logan on Instagram, one that was sent to me on Twitter. So stack show, let's get right into it. Starting with, Ron Rivera saying this about the quarterback competition that is on or is it between Jacoby Brissett and Sam Howell? I think it's open right now. I really do. I mean, again, all I said was Sam's going to get the first crack. I didn't say Sam was the guy. He's going to have to come in and earn it. And if Jacoby comes through and earns it, I'll play Jacoby. I'm going to play the guy that we, we believe at the end of the day gives us the best chance to win football games. So we've heard about quarterback competitions under Ron Rivera before. There was allegedly one between Ryan Fitzpatrick and Taylor Heineke, but we knew that that wasn't a real competition. I happen to think, Logan, that this is going to be a real competition. What do you think, and does Ron's comment there confirm or change your mind at all? No, I don't think it changes my mind about anything. I think if I was going to point to one thing, I think they really want to see what Sam Howell's got. So it might not be Fitzpatrick Heineke level of competition, but I do think the the scale the scale of justice is slightly tilted in the favor of Taylor Heineke, or not Taylor Heineke, Sam Howell. And I think that is understandable. I think he's got high upside and he's got good traits. I think they want to see what he can do. I think they're excited by what he showed in Dallas, albeit a small sample size. Um, I do think it's interesting because if this was a true competition, I think it's hard for me to see a way that um, that Jacoby Brissett doesn't win the job. And what I mean by that is like one of the most challenging things for a young quarterback is learning a new offense. And Jacoby Brissett is an eight-year vet. He's going to be able to learn this offense of Eric Bieniemy much, much quicker than 
um, than Sam Howell. So I think if it's, if, it's a, if it's a true competition, obviously the advantage favors Jacoby Brissett, but I do think that they're trying to promote Sam Howell and his traits and his skill set. And so I do think, you know, in some ways it kind of levels the playing field for Sam, which I think is appropriate. I think if you want to go this way, I think that's fine. Um, you know, again, I, in terms of guys that are going to help you win right now, I think Jacoby's probably the answer. But in terms of a guy that can be your starting quarterback for the next three or four years, I think you definitely want to see what Sam Howell's got. And the only way you do that is if you give him a really good look at it in the offseason. What I mean by that is he gets the majority of the starter reps. He gets the majority of the opportunities. So I think that's the type of thing I would kind of point to here and say, you know, there is a slight element of building for the future by giving Sam Howell the first look. I agree. Um, I think, though, that there is a true competition here. And the one factor that is is hugely determinant in that is – Ron Rivera knows he's got to win unless the new owner comes in and he's like, Hey, I'm actually a North Carolina grad. I, and I don't know where Josh Harris went to school, um, but, or, or any of these other guys that are, that are bidding on the team. But you know, I, I love Sam Howell. He's my favorite player ever. Like, unless it's one of those things. And, and also by the way, Hey Ron, I love you. And I believe in what you're doing. I've been watching from afar and you seem like the right guy. And Ron believes it. He's got to win. <laughs> He's got to win. And so he does have to win. Is, is he going to tilt things in Sam Howell's favor? Yes. Does Sam have to be better than Jacoby Brissett to win the job? No, but he's got to show that he's going to be better soon. And, and that right. is very different than the Heineke Fitzpatrick or, or some of these other quote unquote competitions we've had in the past where it's like, no, that dude's the quarterback. Um, Carson Wentz was the quarterback, right? If it was based off preseason and, and training camp last year, like Taylor would have been the starter from go. Um, but they were like, we think Carson is starting to click and, and whatever this year, it's going to be even more than that, right? It's going to be, Hey, if Sam is on track to be better by Jacoby soon, he's going to be the guy because part of him getting there is right. going to be him playing, getting those game reps is, is huge. But I do think if all of a sudden Sam comes out and struggles in the spring or Jacoby just absolutely rips it and he's awesome in this system and they're like, man, if we start Brissett, we're winning 11 games and making the playoffs. I think Jacoby Brissett's going to be the starting quarterback for the commanders in 2023. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with that. But obviously, like in that scenario, like you pointed out, like Sam's got a trip, you know. Sam's going to be given the opportunity to kind of carry that load and lead the team and drive the car. But if he, if he slips up, then Jacoby's right there. And that's one of the reasons I think both you and I really like the signing, right? We really enjoyed that they brought Jacoby in because he does bring this high-end backup role and he's such a good teammate. Like I got to talk to him a little bit when he came to the facility and he's just a good dude. Like the first thing he says is like, I just want to be known as a good teammate. And like, that's why you bring him in because he knows the score. He knows that Sam's going to have an opportunity. So no waves. But if, if something does happen, you know, injury, Sam can't do it, whatever it is, you got a guy who, who played really good football last year. And it's not even like fringe backup. You know, you know, how everyone says, oh, he's like a high end or low end, uh, low end starter kind of guy. Right. He was like a good starting quarterback last right. year, like like middle of the pack. You know, I'd say between 18 and 15. Right. Which is that's better than they've had here in a long time. Right. Would, so uh, would have been good I, enough to get this team to the playoffs last year. That's for sure. I think so. So I, I I'm, I'm excited about this opportunity. I think it'll be really interesting to see how this all plays out over the next couple of weeks and, and with um, and not weeks, but you know, this off season. 
um, because of kind of, I, I think the staff really wants Sam to go. So it'll be interesting to see how the reps are allocated. Can Jacoby get ready with Sam getting more reps? It's just going to be really compelling. But I think we both agree Sam's going to get the shot, but you don't bring a guy like Jacoby Brissett in if you're 100% full go on Sam, I don't think. Right. So that's, that's kind of the radio depth of the conversation. The podcast depth of the conversation is then what does that really look like? Like what, if there's like how many reps are available in the spring, how are those actually taken? Because you know, what we know is like the first one will go to Sam, the first block when the starters are out there. Well, all of those go to Sam and then Jacoby, if you know, occasionally will be thrown a bone. Do, do they split? Does it go day by day? Will they do two days, one day? Like there's options, obviously. And I doubt that Ron has spilled the beans to you. Uh, and so I'm not asking like exactly what it will be, but as someone who played 10 years in the NFL and saw a bunch of different ref splits for starters and backups and people in position competitions, how do you, what's your best guess as to what that will functionally look like first in the spring and then ultimately in training camp? Yeah, so I think it'll be really interesting. I think that's a really good question. And just just so fans understand, like, kind of the composition of practice, right? Usually you got a 12-play period, four goes to the starters, four go to the backups. Then in the offseason, or in in season, the last two would go to, or the last, what is that, four? Two of those would go to the starters again, and then the two, the last two would go to the the third-string guys, basically, right? So third-string guys, like everyone's talking about Sam Howell's development, it's only getting two reps a period. So that's eight reps a day or whatever it is. So um, I, I think it'll probably look something like that. And I think that first block will be really interesting because it'll show you how much they want Sam to go. Like if Jacoby gets zero reps with the first team and then they add, let's say they make it five and three, I think that'll be really interesting too, right? Because they're just trying to give him more volume to kind of digest the offense. So this offseason, I think it'll, I don't want to say it'll be 50-50, but it might be 55-45 in terms of split to Sam Howell. And I think, again, that would be the wise thing to do because you just want him to get more saturation in the offense. And I think Jacoby has shown he can do more with less with with regards to reps just based on his career. So I I think that's probably what I would expect from this offseason. And um, I think that's appropriate just because of like where they're at in their career. So I would expect Sam to kind of get more reps, get more opportunity with the ones and really prove this staff right or wrong about him early on because you got to know and I can't know I can't even make an informed decision if he's not getting a lot of reps right and then so then you have to see some threshold to continue that in in the fall because like once you get to or in the summer once you get to training camp like now you're in business time you're no longer like yes you're in evaluation mode for the bottom of your roster and I guess there are position battles across the league and you see how they play out but like a quarterback everything else on your offense is dependent on how that guy plays. And so you really want to have some stability there so you can evaluate everyone else. What you don't want to be is messing around with your quarterback three weeks in a training camp and you still don't know. You got to make some decisions. And so, you know, really, I I think the best case scenario for this team is Sam shows a real command of the offense in the spring and you know, and then he's just your starter going into to August. Yeah, and then, yeah. you know, obviously things could change. Training camp practices are a different intensity, a different whatever. Um, you know, you get out there in preseason game, things go haywire, whatever could happen. But if he has a really good spring, then then you feel pretty comfortable saying like, hey, he's QB1. We're good. We're going to split the reps just like Jacoby's the backup. Sam's a starter. And maybe we even, again, tilt it more towards Sam because he needs that volume to get get going but you know as we have a rave here if you're watching on i know video, what's, what are you doing over there guy i don't know this light's just having a good old time <laughs> we're, just gonna turn, we're gonna turn that guy off 
I'm just going to not look as pretty for the rest of the podcast, but at least it doesn't look like <laughs> I'm going to rave. That was a fun that show. That was fun. Yeah. Uh, that'll go real well in the audio. Uh, anyway, <laughs> the point is, if Sam has a great spring, that's the best case scenario. If he's super up and down, in a way, that's worse. Like, the, the worst case scenario is he's great some days and is terrible the others, and you're just like, what do we have in this kid? Right. If he just flat out stinks, then you're just like, all right, well, Jacoby's the starter, and uh, we'll keep working on Sam in the background. Yeah, I mean, I think, but I think that's one of the reasons why you pay a little bit of a premium for Jacoby Brissett. You know, like I think they said they wouldn't go above five for Taylor, and they went seven and with an upside of 10 for Brissett. And I think one of the reasons you do that is you say, here's a guy that doesn't need a lot of reps, can come in and kind of be ready week one. And that's why you're paying that. And so I think even if Sam looks bad in the spring, I think he's going to get that starter treatment pretty much all the way up until the 12th hour. So, you know, right wrong and different i think that's what they're going to try to do because they're going to want some type of confirmation that he can do it and then if he can't again that's why you pay the big bucks for a, a, a premium backup guy who can play some good football and a guy who's coming here with probably some expectation that he's going to play some football for this team right whether that's the first three games first four weeks whatever it is so i do think that that's i think their offseason financial plans kind of show you how they feel about this this decision and this opportunity for Sam. And I think it's good it's good planning because it allows you to kind of totally flesh out your perspective on the quarterback and minimize your risk about the backup having to come in and play a lot of football for you. So I feel pretty good about um, you know, I think I think this offseason Sam will play a lot in the spring. He'll play a lot in training camp, whether or not he's up and down. And then I think, you know, they'll kind of make that decision last possible minute if Jacoby's going to be the starter. That makes sense too. Um, I guess we'll see. That's the beauty of it. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, the fun of it, right? Like this is all yeah. speculation, obviously, but I think when you like, you know, you do a great job of this. Like when you look at kind of the thousand foot view, you say you don't make some of these decisions unless like this is part of your plan. And so I think we can kind of give you a rough outline, but again, like we don't even really know what this offense is going to look like. Like it's I think they were having, I was having a conversation with somebody and they were like, we're still kind of trying to figure out personnel wise, what we need to make this go. And so I think that that, again, is just a really interesting kind of point to be at with a new offense, with a new coordinator. And that's not unique to this situation. That's anytime a new OC comes into a building, you got to kind of make some of these decisions. So a lot is still up in the air and, you know, the draft's still around the corner. So an opportunity to correct some of that stuff too. But I think it's just super interesting, um, kind of all the uncertainty around the team and all the opportunity around the team, which is always kind of, uh, which yeah. is kind of fun to be talking about. Yeah, for sure. I, I guess my only it's not even pushback. My only like caveat here from my 10,000 foot viewpoint is the Ron winning part of it does loom over this kind of in a major way to me. But you know, I, I Ron, do think... like you think that you think his confidence is at all. Sh like Ron is a guy who's, who strikes me as being very confident in himself and like what he brings and who he is and his process. Is he going to change that now? Like he's been through this once I mean, already. He's, he said this week in some interviews, like, yeah, I'm going to have a conversation with the owner, and I know that if I can't convince him that I am have things on the right track by, you know, middle of the season or end of the season, then this is probably going to be my last year. Um, and it, I guess it really depends on, like, who the new owner is and what their conversation is. So let's just to put names and not have person X. Like, let's say it's Josh Harris, who uh, seems to be the favorite right now to win it. And Josh Harris is like, hey, man, like, you got two years left on your deal. Um you know, they have the conversation, right? One thing that yeah. Ron also said was, you know, I, I kind of screwed up with David Tepper where I just put my head down and worked and continued doing my thing. And I didn't do a good job of explaining our plan. 
So mm. to me, that is Ron planting the scene of like, I'm going to go to the new guy and be like, hey, we're roster building. This is yeah. Sam Howell. We think he can be our guy. And it might not work this year, so please don't fire me if it doesn't. Like, do I think that a version of that conversation that's perhaps, you know, slightly less theatrical than I just made it uh, will happen? Absolutely. I do. Yeah, um, I agree. And so depending on how the owner greets that will depend on this stuff. Because if the owner's like, screw that, man. Like, I kind of want to make the playoffs. I just paid $6 billion for this team. I want the playoff revenue. I want to see it pay off. And, uh, you know, your reputation isn't exactly that of a genius. So go out and prove to me that you're a good coach. Then I'm, I'm looking at Jacoby Brissett being like, saddle up, big boy. It's time to go. Um, if, if Sam starts to struggle in the spring, if, if the thing, if the owner is like, Hey, you know, I, I hired Dale Ramore in Philadelphia. I'm familiar with the process then, you know, and it gives you a couple or gives you the kind of the runway to play it out that at least if you look like you're on the right track, you're safe, then yeah, he can run out that ground ball with Sam Howell as it would be if this was year two for him versus year four going into an expiring year, you know, lame duck year next year uh, or not being here at all because there's a new owner. So I just think it depends on how that conversation goes. And he obviously can't have the conversation until there's a new owner in place. And that's how the ownership affects the football in a way that for largely it hasn't so far. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree with that. I just, I just think, you know, obviously I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I, I'm going to just say right up. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, well, none of us do, but like that's, that's yeah. the hypothetical, right? It's just, and it's 100%. harder to give any analysis beyond that because we don't know, have any clue what that conversation is like, because it hasn't right. happened because we don't know who he's having it with yet. We don't even yeah, who he's having it with or what that guy's vision for the team is. Like and totally. again, that's billionaires having billionaire conversations. So look, I, I've I've used this example before, but for those that are just podcast listeners and don't listen on the radio show, I don't think it's necessarily made the podcast. Um, when the Phoenix, the, the most recent new owner in sports, uh, in terms of big major sports that I know of is Matt Ishbia buying the Phoenix Suns. The Phoenix Suns have been in talk with the Brooklyn talks with the Brooklyn Nets all summer to trade for Kevin Durant. And they just did not want to meet Brooklyn's price. And once Brooklyn traded Kyrie Irving, they got on the phone with Phoenix and were like, Hey, we know you're interested in Durant. This is the price. And like, there's no negotiating. If you give us this, we give you Kevin Durant. If not, we don't. And the day that happened was the day that Matt Ishbia took over as owner of the Suns, right? Robert Sarver, the previous owner, had been part of the group saying no. Matt Ishbia, the new guy uh, in charge, looks it over. He didn't, like, he's a guy who played basketball at Michigan State as a walk-on. Like, this isn't some businessman who doesn't know anything about basketball. He came in. He sat down with their GM. They looked at the deal, and they were like, man, this is going to hurt. This is a steep price, but it's Kevin freaking Durant, and we're doing it. Mm. And, and that's how ownership can affect things. And he just, sure. he just said like, Hey man, like I know this, I, you, and he told his GM, like, I'm in this with you. So right. if for instance, the new guy comes in and is like, I would like Lamar Jackson, give him Deshaun Watson's contract. Guess who's going to be the quarterback here next year. Like yeah. these ownership can do those things. They own the team. Is that smart? No. Is that likely? No, that is certainly not how Josh Harris has run his teams as an NBA, NHL, and uh, and Premier League owner. He has generally empowered people to do their jobs, but it's just worth like the 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 swath of possibilities is large, and and I think that's ultimately, I guess, what we're trying to say. Um, and that will impact even more micro decisions, like how much of a competition it is between Brissett and how. Yeah, and I and I guess it, with the with regards to Brissett. And Sam Howell and Ron, I think specifically, 
if you narrow your focus a little bit, you can kind of say the possible outcomes are not that numerous. If you think about mm -hmm. it, right. It's like, right. Is Ron going to be the coach for this year? Like, like does Ron have a long-term future here? And I think that that impacts the decision more than anything else. Right. It's more right. like that relationship, how that goes. So if it goes well, I think you'll get a definitive answer. I think that'll show up in, the offseason stuff that they're doing. You know what I mean? I think that'll happen very, very quickly. Right. But to your point in terms of Ron's confidence in his, himself, um, I think he has acted as someone who's going to be here for a long time, and that is a good thing for the health of the franchise, whether he is here or not. Right. He has been yeah. a responsible steward as opposed to selling out in a way that that is actually not beneficial for the franchise. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. All right. The other thing that we wanted to kick around, Logan, was uh, Ron talking about what he learned last year trading down in the draft. And this is two part trade down what he learned. And also we got a great question about trading up. We'll read that question in a second, but here was Rivera at the NFC coaches breakfast the other day. And if we go backwards, how far can we go? And we were able to target a team. We felt that was going to want to jump up and it worked out that way. Uh, you know, Martin did a terrific job with all that, looking into it and talking about it, setting up the trade, uh, you know, uh, and the, the clump of players that we had, you know, Marty, Eric, and Gribbs got up there, and, and we had we had a five-man clump and just said, hey, these five guys we like. Uh, we had three receivers and two offensive linemen that were in that clump and said, okay, if this guy there, that's our guy. And Jahan was sitting there looking at us. And, and it worked out. Uh, Jahan Dotson seems to be a very, very good football player. So you have that on training down. And then you got this message, which you forwarded on to me uh, on your Instagram page, which you can follow Logan at Logan underscore Paulson 82. Uh, said, thought I'd reach out with another potential question from the mailbag. Any chance the commanders look to trade up in this year's draft? I know lots have been said about trading back, but you think there's a player the commanders would look to to move up a few spots to draft if they started to fall a bit. Could the point be made that because of the moves in free agency that they're in a good spot to move up? because there isn't a huge drastic need at a specific position and they could spare giving up a third or a fourth round pick to get the guy they think is worth trading up for. I think they'd prefer to move back if possible, especially since this draft is deep at a line and corner, but players like Peter Skaranti, Christian Gonzalez, and Devin Witherspoon really entice me if one of them falls a bit. Uh, what do you think? And I, I think these two things are very intertwined uh, yeah. in terms of you know what you're looking for, how the buckets work, to go back to our last podcast, yeah. and uh, how this team is built. So, uh, all of that, Logan, 
What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I think let's just start with like my personal draft philosophy. And mm -hmm. I am of the mindset that there are very few players that I've ever evaluated. You know, and I would do, you know, kind of a pseudo, probably top, definitely top 10 tight ends, probably top 10 O-linemen, maybe top 10 quarterbacks. When I was playing, even I'd watch all those guys, you know, just because I really enjoyed the draft. I really enjoyed the process. So anybody that I've ever evaluated in the last like 15 years, there's very few people that I would trade up for, right? Very few people. And usually it's a quarterback, right? Usually it's like a Trevor Lawrence. Andrew Luck was a guy that I was very, very high on when he was coming out. And bold I thought, bold know, take on that one. Yeah, right. But I'm what I'm saying, though, is like there's a reason those right. guys are considered the next, right. you know, John Elway or whoever, right. Peyton Manning, right? It's because you can give up a lot of players, a lot of resources, and they're going to change your franchise. So with regards to the players that he mentioned, um, Christian Gonzalez, big fan of his. Witherspoon might be my favorite player in the first round. Like, I really enjoy watching him. Peter Skaronsky is one of the most polished offensive linemen in the class. Paris Johnson, I think, has super freak upside in terms of having 36 inch arms he's 6 7 he's 315 he moves like a much smaller man he's twitchy like those are exciting things but to move up spots you'll have to give up some draft capital depending on how high you have to go and is giving up like this is a good example so like last year for example in the trade down with new orleans new orleans gives up essentially two other players and a and like a first round pick i think if you kind of look at the aggregate of what they gave up and to me, no player is worth two players. So I don't care how good Chris Olave is going to be in his career. He could be a Hall of Famer for all I care. It seems unlikely that his value to the New Orleans Saints would outweigh the fact that we've got a starting running back and a starting receiver in that trade and potentially a starting quarterback from one trade. So, and again, the reason that you always want to trade back, in my opinion, is because the draft draft evaluation is super subjective. Like I was having a conversation with a good friend who I respect a ton and we could not come to a consensus on our top 10 offensive linemen. And we see the football almost identically. And so why are there variations in how we see things? It's because I like something that he doesn't, or I overvalue something that he doesn't. And we can kind of get the same 10 players in the bucket, right? But we can't decide the order. So am I that confident in my evaluation that I'm willing to trade up, give away other opportunities to draft players, to draft a guy that is maybe not the best person, maybe not the best offensive lineman on some people's boards. And so that's something that I always go back to. It's a subjective process. Don't be overconfident in your draft evaluation. I love Witherspoon. I know, Craig, you like Witherspoon. Everyone loves Witherspoon. But there's a good chance that he we miss on him for whatever reason. So why don't I trade back? Draft Deontay Banks, take a shot at um, Matthew Bergeron in the second round with that extra pick I'm going to accrue, right? That just seems like good process. And I don't get the, one of the big names. I, go, I don't get Darnell Wright. I, go to, I don't get Anton Harrison. I don't get Dewan Jones. But I get a guy who's going to be a starting right tackle in the NFL, maybe left tackle with some swing ability, and I get a starting corner, right, instead of just getting one player. And I always go back to that as draft process. And we can talk more about the buckets and the five players he was talking about last year, but – I just think that that is that's always something I go back to. Two players are more valuable than one. It's hard to argue with, but I'm going to try it. I'm not even just being go a devil's for advocate. Yeah, um, go for it. This team specifically is missing blue chip players. Um, you can make an argument they haven't drafted one since Ron's been here. Um, their best players are all the guys they inherited. Um, Terry, who happened to be a third-round pick, John, Duran, Montez, 
all like those are probably their their best players, their four best. Tressway, mm-hmm. obviously. Um Cam Curl. I mean, they drafted him. Yeah, Cam Cam, is, I think, is, is probably pushing that list. He he might be the guy to break through. Um, I, I think if you want to rate Cam Curl ahead of Montez Sweat, I'll even hear you on that. Um, mm-hmm. with with how effective Curl has been in terms of where you know where their defense is with and without him. I'll hear Cam Curl. But even Cam, like, are they is he pushing all pro? No. Like the the only guys that are pushing that are John and Terry yeah. and I guess Duran. And they just don't have that. And like, as someone who watched and covered Trent Williams and saw the difference he made, you obviously played with Trent and you see the difference he made. If you think you have that, and and especially if like that guy starts to fall and you're not talking about going from 16 to seven, you're talking about going 16 to 12. I, I don't think that's crazy. Um, now, so I, I'm glad you brought that up. I think that's a really good point. And I think it's important to look at this class specifically. Like last year. Yes, yeah, well, that was what I was going to say too. Is this this class is a little hard to make that argument, but correct. continue. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I think we're gonna, we're on the same page. Like this this year, there are some very good football players that are going to help your team, right? But you don't have necessarily these players with the same kind of upside, for example, right? Witherspoon's a guy that, again, get that name gets throws around, but compare him to Sauce Gardner, and my evaluation's way higher on Sauce Gardner, right? Yeah. And it's he's he's a little undersized. He's like 185 pounds, 100, 179 pounds, something like that. Heck of a football player, but in terms of traits and qualities and projection, there's still some question there, right? Lucas Van Ness only started, only played 400 snaps his whole college career, right? He's I think he's going to be a good pro, and he could have some more upside than people want to give him credit for, but it's, it's not – Aiden Hutchinson. It's not, um, you know, some of these rushers that were drafted early in last year's draft. And I think that that's important to kind of acknowledge that this year specifically, kind of like last year, last year was kind of was similar in this way, very deep draft, but the top wasn't very high compared to this, compare this draft to the draft two years ago with like Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, Panay Sewell, like that draft. Yeah, man. You know, Micah Parsons in that draft, right? Think about the difference in composition and the difference in narrative around those guys coming into the draft, it's drastically different. So I do think this year specifically, I'm really glad you brought this up, Craig. There's not that dude. There's guys that are good, very good, but there's not that guy that you're like, this is Sauce Gardner. He's going to be a baller, right? This is, you know, um, the tackle from uh, NC State last year, uh, uh, Iki Iquanu, right? There was Mm. guys that were just a little bit better physically you turn on the tape and you were like damn like so Paris Johnson let's talk about him for a second I love his upside but when you watch him there is a rawness and an immaturity to his game that still needs to be parceled out and so do I think it can get done absolutely but there's not the surefire kind of yes of some of these other guys that were in the draft last year right there's some development Skaronsky's the same way he's 6'4 he's 315 he looks like a guard is he going to play guard or is he going to play tackle drafting a guard in the top 10 is not a bad thing but the positional value, like we've talked about before, is not necessarily there, right? right. So I do think that that's important to acknowledge in, in this in this specific conversation. Right. So I stand by my point that if you think there's an absolute blue chipper that is at a position that you need on your football team and your football team is otherwise well-built and perhaps you even have an extra third-round pick that you can afford to part with because it's a comp pick or whatever the reason, that it's not unsound strategy. The problem for the 2023 NFL draft is good luck selling me on a specific example where that's going to be true in this draft. Like, unless Jalen Carter, outside of quarterback, 
Well, Jalen Carter. I was right, gonna say if Jalen Carter starts falling, well, for this team, Jalen Carter, like you just signed. But Payne. but that's but that's a good point though. It's that type of player, the guy that's the best player in the class right. or a quarterback is gonna right. fall down. Let's let's say let's say for example, Anthony Richardson starts to slide. Do you take a shot on that? Do you, that's the type of player you trade up for. And I'm not even that high on Anthony Richardson, but just to give you some type of context. Like mm-hmm. that's that's what you're. T- Will Anderson, for whatever reason, starts to take a little bit of a slip. He yeah. won't. But if no. he does, then sure, yeah, make a move. You know. But the the point that you're making specific to this draft is like, let's say you do love Christian Gonzalez. Do you really right. love him that much more than you know Emmanuel Deontay Forbes, Banks, Emmanuel Deont- Forbes, yeah, Deontay Banks, like, all these guys. Like the next tier, if if Witherspoon and Gonzalez is our A's. Those good dudes are A minuses, B pluses. Right. And at that point, point, is B plus plus another B plus later in the draft at a position you might like that third round pick that you trade could be your starting center next year and could be an all pro in the future because that's right. how this positional value is for centers. And so right. if you give up future Jason Kelsey for the chance to draft Devin Witherspoon, you've lost. And again, like, the Olave thing is so great because, you know, Olave might be awesome for the Saints, but is he going to be, We don't, one, we don't even know if he's better than Dotson. And right. two, he's definitely not going to be better than, what was it, Dotson, uh, Brian, Robinson, Brian Robinson, and potentially and Sam Howell. Sam like, Howell, that's right. that's the trait. It was Chris Olave for Jahan Dotson, Brian Robinson, and Sam Howell. That is a right. wild win for the commanders if Howell is your starter for the next couple of years. And even if he's not, it's still a win for the commanders because Dotson might be better period. And you also have Brian Robinson. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's exactly right. And I think especially with this year's draft, like we just talked about, like I'm glad you brought up center, like you're going to get three guys at center in the second round, probably maybe one makes it into the first who are starting caliber football players and they're going to come in day one and be ready to go. And that's not, I'm not exaggerating. Like that's how good they are. Right. I mentioned, um, right. You know, I mentioned uh, Matthew Bergeron, like he will probably be close to available at 48 and he is a close to start He's very close. He's probably like a B minus C plus type of player right now with B plus upside. So again, like don't, don't, go crazy. I know that's kind of the initiative is like, Oh, let's go crazy. Let's trade up. Let's, let's be overconfident in our evaluations. But man, it's as much as I like Christian Gonzalez, like I think he's awesome and I would love him to be here. I love Paris. John. I love any one of those guys, even, even a guy like Lucas Van Ness. I'd love it if he was here in Washington, but I don't love it enough to say that I'm that confident in this evaluation with this, 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 this particular player. Like there's certain guys you watch, right? Like sauce Gardner. And I was like, and you talk to people and you can feel the consensus and you're like, okay, yeah, maybe I would sick. trade up for, maybe I would trade up for that guy. But this year there's too many dissenting opinions. It's too confounding. It's very muddy. I'm going to increase my opportunities for success and draft back. Uh, the other thing I want to talk about is, is the buckets that he's talking about. Right. So there's three, there was, he said there was three receivers and two offensive linemen. I think if I was going to guess, I think yeah. Trevor Penning for new Orleans was one of them, mm-hmm. right. Who was drafted. He didn't play at all last year because of an injury. And then uh, Kenyon Green from the Houston Texans would have been the other guy, I think. What who I got absolutely dump trucked. <laughs> he he does not ever want to see a commander's uniform again in his life. That's right. That's right. And then for receivers, it's Jahan. hard. To, it's hard to. It's Jahan 
uh, Traylon Burks, maybe. And then who was the other guy that year that was? So um, my guess it would have been like Alave could have been in that mix, and then that, that Drake year, London yeah. from Atlanta was the guy that everyone said they were in love with. But like, was but he I, in a separate that's a bucket above? That's a, that's a separate those guys. bucket, I think. I think it's a separate bucket. So like, I think this is assuming that after they. No, I think so. What I would say is that Alave, it's Alave, Jahan, and Burks are the three receivers he's referring to, right? Yeah. And so if that's what, if assuming that's correct then basically your analytics guy would say, well, you can trade down two spots, probably three, and still get one of the receivers you want and probably one of the offensive linemen you want. Right. And I f- doesn't it feel like that's exactly what happened, right? Totally. And if they liked Jahan better than Olave anyway, then it's like, cool. Cool. <laughs> you know, it's a little harder to do when it's like, ah, these guys are basically the same, but we really actually like the, right. you know, like we like Olave better than Dotson. Well, if it's like, well, we like Dotson better. Yeah. Uh, you, who you guys trying to trade up for? Alave? Yeah. yeah like, we can make that cool. happen. It's, it, let's look at the chart. This is what it costs. Done and done. All right, cool. Uh, we'll we'll tell the commissioner. Like, but that's or we'll tell the league. Talk, but that's something we've talked about before. And, like, if you've put them in the same tier, you have to be okay Right. With it's they're all equal. You know, not they're not all equal, you know. Right. Because, one, like, obviously they like Dotson better than Burks because they took right. Dotson. Right, but it's close enough. You know what I'm right. saying? That you can't right. be mad about any of them. And I think that's something that is for fans. Like I was talking to someone at work today, and he was like, "Oh yeah, when I do like thinking about it in tiers, totally changed the way I think about drafts." Because I was like, "Well, who are you drafting?" And it's fantasy football has screwed people up because they have a list and they just go down, right? But that's not how drafting works, right? Because like you're going to get to a point where two guys are on the same, roughly the same thing, different positions. How do you compare them, right? So I do think this is um, it's pretty interesting. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's kind of fun to think back on that. Yeah. Uh, I guess I should probably start preparing some buckets for next week. Although, Well, I mean, it's like it, for you guys, I was thinking about it. Like, would you need buckets for that? For probably a mock draft? Not. Yeah. No. Unless you've got a have... lot of people. No. Well, the other thing, too, is like we're, the buckets are going to look a little bit different based off team needs and all that kind of stuff. I'm not doing a mock bucket. Like, we're not, we're not going to pick teams that we're drafting for ahead of time. And then I'm not going to do the prep for all the buckets. I'm going to kind of look at <laughs> who's available and, and what their team and, needs are and not do something dumb for the teams that I wind up drafting for. Right. Yeah. We, we're doing that next week, right? The, I think so. Draft. I think that's the plan. How Dude, mad, by the way, we got, you have to pick for the commanders. The internet will be so mad if I'm the one doing the pick. <laughs> Well, no, dude, we can, we'll talk about each pick. So you'll pick, but we'll kind of digest each pick. I think that's how we should do it. Are we? Oh, you know okay. So we're, we're GM head coach on each team. Yeah. I think we could do that. Who's the GM. Who's the head coach. Well, you know, I don't know, Craig, you probably, I'm probably the, I don't know, man. It's, it's, a, it's, 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 it's a relationship that is, you know, we're, we're equals in the decision-making okay, process. Okay. So the title doesn't matter. Okay. That was very diplomatic of you. <laughs> Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. 
Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's Lifetime Membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Take event podcast from Odyssey Sports. Wrapping up here with Logan Paulson. I am Craig Hoffman. Just two equal podcasters podcasting our faces Podcasting. Off. All right. Uh, last thing we were going to talk about is kind of, I guess, a continuation of what we just were, but instead of who they're going to add to the O-line and what bucket they're in, it's it's what do they have here? Ron talked about mm-hmm. it uh, at the Combine. We're not, or at the, uh, the owner's meetings. We're not going to play the full clip for you or not play the clip for you. Um, but the, the summary is that he likes what he has, but they're going to continue to look to improve. He mentioned a couple of names at left guard that that you kind of caught your ear in terms of who they yeah. is going to be competing. What did you make a, of Ron's comments and where the O-line stands as of March 28th when he made them? So I think the thing that sticks out to me the most about what he says is he's like, we acquire guys with position flexibility, right? Mm-hmm. My antenna immediately go up. Because every anything he says after that means – that we like the flexibility they give us when we're adding a piece, if we're going to add a piece. Basically saying we have the potential to add a piece if we want to add a piece. And I think that that is, that gets me, that brings a little bit of joy to my heart, right? <laughs> because one of the things about, you know, Whipler, for example, or example, and, and Gates, I think they're good football players, but I'm like, they don't get you fired up about that kind of blue chip potential on the offensive line, right? So let's say, for example, you're sitting at 16 and Paris Johnson there. You can now still take that player because Whipler can play left guard for you or whoever. Cosby can play left guard. You've got guys that can kind of move around and you get kind of a stalwart at right tackle who's played right guard and left tackle. He's moved all over the offensive line, Ohio State. So that he brings position flexibility as well and kind of helps you kind of get C pluses across the board, C pluses, mm-hmm. B minuses across the board. And to me, that is very, very exciting because, you know, everyone, he, the other thing you mentioned was the left guard spot. And I understand that's kind of the point of weakness, but to me, that's like a C, C minus at the moment and something that gives me a little bit of anxiety. I want the pluses, the the C pluses, B minuses. And I think giving yourself, opening the door to draft a player like Skaronsky, like Paris Johnson, if they were to fall, or if you do trade black, back, drafting Darnell Wright, drafting Dewan Jones, that that again, I think th- both those guys have the potential to be something plus, kind of in the same vein as Trent. They're not Trent Williams. Everyone, calm down. They're no not Trent, Trent Williams. Williams. They're, Trent Williams is going to be in the Hall of Fame. He's the best offensive lineman in the NFL. That's not what this is. But he, they do bring that kind of and upside plus upside. Right. They, they, that, they could get that, to be A's. They're not going to be A plus pluses, but they could be A's. Right. Or even B plus A minus, right? Like that is exceptional. Like you're talking about um, maybe like a Tristan Wirfs type guy, and he's one of the best right tackles in football. So if they were to bring that in and then Leno's your second best offensive lineman, 
I think you say, wow, this group, the complexion changes dramatically with one pick. So that to me was exciting. That to me was encouraging because I do think there will be some value at, uh, sorry, Craig's dying. <laughs> I turned my mic off. I know, but it was like but, such uh, a serious cough. There's uh, a lot of coughing happening. Just let it happen, bro. Yeah, I got it. Okay. I'll continue. I'll continue on my draft rant. Um, Take it so, from here, Logan. <laughs> so I think that that, that, that was something that I, you know, you're like, that's kind of boring. But for me, a guy that watched all the offensive linemen understands some of the depth pieces they have here. I'm like, this is a good thing for this team. Yeah. Uh, now that I'm done with my drinking problem. Uh, so the more I've thought about the O-line thing, the more I think that the draft of someone with left tackle potential and cut Charles Leno is on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, I I have no information on that. That is just like, That's just like why would they instance. have signed Andrew Wiley to play right tackle and then go draft the right tackle? Now, like you said, the position flex is huge because Wiley could also go play left guard or they could put kick Cosme over to left guard and play Andrew Riley, Wiley at right guard and uh, put the new guy at right tackle. But as we talked about, a lot of these guys played left tackle in, in college. So mm-hmm. Are you really going to take a guy who played left tackle, try him out at right tackle, and that's your first round pick, and you're taking a big guess, or are you drafting a guy who played left tackle and you evaluated at left tackle to play left tackle? And especially when Charles Leno can save you a lot of money in terms of the cap space, not that they necessarily need it, but if all of a sudden the new owner comes in and is like, "Hey, uh, so you want to give this Cam Curl guy uh, uh, an extension?" Well, get, tell me more about that. Well, we stink when he's not there and we lose a bunch of football games and we're awesome when he's on the field and we win more. Okay, you go get him paid. Well, now you need that cap space. And so I do wonder if that is going to be on the table. And, you know, yes, there is a chance they could go the the way kind of everyone thinks. Uh, There are certainly, uh, I, I anticipate them drafting multiple interior offensive linemen, whether that is high or in the middle or later, depending on how the board falls. Um, I think all of that is on the table, but the more I've thought about it and the more that tackle slash line has been pushed for them at 16, the more I wonder if as much as they publicly love and adore Charles Leno and he's their Walter Payton man of the year guy. And like, they really do like him and they're not going to be upset if he's their starting left tackle. The money's got to come from somewhere. And if you really want to tackle and he is Charles Leno's not the future at that position for you. I do wonder how on the table that is going to become very quickly if Paris Johnson, for instance, is available at 16. Yeah, and obviously we, uh, we'll we see this in our mock draft, but I don't think he's going to be there at 16. I think yeah. he's the Broderick Jones seems ball. like the guy who's falling in some of the mocks. Yeah, and Broderick Jones is, again, a guy I think that is a little bit more developmental. Anton Harrison is a guy that we've talked about on this show before. Those are the kind of your four true left tackles, right? Darnell Wright, who I think is are probably Darnell Wright and Dewan Jones, who are probably better like football players. They're more physical. They get after guys more. They they move well. They've only played right tackle. Like uh, Which Darnell is Wright could probably yeah could probably play guard, right? But you're kind of if that's your plan, you're kind of bu- like bucketed into those three. Another guy that's interesting is is Matthew Bergeron. We've talked about him, and the reason I keep bringing Let's it up is because he. He did play left tackle in college, right? And so he does have that ability. Probably more of a right type of guy, but has the skill set. There's guys I've talked to who said he could play left. And that, from the guys I've spoken to, that is a huge endorsement, right? That's like, yes, 
Another guy that's interesting is um, is Morris, who's also from Oklahoma. He'll probably be available in the second round, maybe third round. Um, but you're talking about that's five guys that yeah. are potential starting left tackles right now. The right tackle class is a little bit better than normal. So again, I, it just depends on how the board falls. And one of the things that's important to acknowledge about this free agent period for them is they don't have to do anything, right? They don't have to draft anyone in particular. And I think that's probably the most, the most positive thing I can say about their offseason process is they right. can just say, we need a, we feel that Broderick Jones is better than Joey Porter Jr. or Joey Porter Jr. is better than Dewan Jones or, you know, whoever it is at 16 and then make, just pick the best player. And I think that is good, good sound football process. Definitely. So as much as we want to say, well, Leno may be out, Leno's in, whatever. I also think it's important to acknowledge that Leno's contract is very team friendly, air quotes there. You know what I mean? It's very, it's, it's not elite left tackle money. It, it feels very sure. like good value for them. It's, so I don't it's know if just you for the numbers, like it's 12. But right. you also save eight if you cut him. Right. So I do. So again, like that's just kind of, I don't, we're, that's speculation on our part if, if they were to move on from Charles. But I do think right. that they put themselves in a good spot to say, we don't have to draft some, we don't have to Correct. draft any particular Correct. player at 16. We no can doubt. draft depth pieces. And I, that's another reason why I think it'd be better if they were to trade back, right? Is get mm -hmm. yourself in the Emmanuel Forbes sweepstakes, get yourself a Dewan Jones, get yourself one of those types of players. And then say, okay, we've got, we've accrued draft capital, and now we can kind of just fill in and add depth at these spots. And then think about that: if they were to get like another kind of top tier corner, get another offensive lineman, maybe a center, right? That'll line all these questions about where the team's at. They all of a sudden just go away, and you're in a really good spot. And so when you're building around Sam Howell and you want to give him a shot, like bringing this whole thing full circle, that seems like the right approach. No, I I agree with that. All right, we will obviously continue to talk about this. One thing that I wanna I wanted to ask here, but we're, I'm just gonna hold it till next week, uh, is what's the best possible outcome for the commanders at 16? Like, what's Ooh. how does the board fall that you're like, yes, let's go? So we'll decide that uh, or discuss that next week. Also, uh, Tim, sorry I didn't get to your your question for the mailbag about a third quarterback, but we'll pocket that for next week as well. I promise I have it bookmarked. If you want to get your uh, questions in, you can hit Logan on Instagram at Logan underscore Paulson 82. Uh, you can send me a tweet at Craig Hoffman, and we'll try to get to a mailbag episode uh, soon. We are planning on doing our mock draft episode next week. Uh, and then, of course, we're also monitoring all the ownership stuff. If anything breaks, we will have reaction here on the show. Uh, that's it. That's all, though, for this here edition of Take Command. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you are listening right now. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, the Odyssey app, or if you are watching on YouTube, make sure you are subscribed there as well. Uh, for Logan, I'm Craig. We'll see you next time on Take Command. 